this, this is something completely different. Uh, we have been blasting through Luke chapter 8 for the past four weeks. Uh, we're taking a break from Luke. Luke's good. We're enjoying Luke. Um, we're just going to take a bit of breathing space and do something different for, for a few weeks before we dive into Luke 9. Um, and after covering 56 verses of Luke chapter 8 in four weeks, the parable of the sower and the, with the stuff that, that Linda reviewed there in her introduction, um, we're going to slow everything way, way down and focus on one verse. In fact, we're going to focus on half a verse. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, and it's verse 10. And it says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And it is that second half. That's where we're going. Did 56 verses in four weeks. We're now going to do half a verse and we're actually going to take probably about three weeks on it. I'm going to lay the, the, the foundation here this morning. Linda's going to pick it up next week. I'm not sure where we'll go after that, but we reckon that there's about, about, about three weeks in this concept of honor. And just titling the, the series, A Haven of Honor. And again, we'll explain that more as, as we go along. Why bother teaching on honor? Um, I was frustrated a few weeks ago coming back from a context, a non-Christian context in which I volunteer. It shall remain nameless, but you can probably guess some of you what it is. And I came home one night a bit sort of bugged about not being listened to and not being heeded and all of that frustrating stuff when you're working with kids. Uh, And... uh, My frustrations overflowed when I came into the kitchen, Uh, not in a bad way, the dog didn't get harmed or anything, but I I just sort of let it out and and Linda was there and she said, you know what, what has happened there, and this was was the wisdom um, calming me down, she said, we are not living in a culture of honour, we're living in a culture of contempt. Honor is not something that culture teaches people to do, to honor others. Whenever I was a kid, you honored those who gave you their time. And a lot of young people still do. But I can still remember the names of all my BB leaders from longer ago than I care to mention. Absolute legends like Jimmy McKittrick and Robbie Chambers, John Hunter and Melvin Irwin. And obviously from CE in the same church in Edenderry, Gilly Carson, still there, still doing it. Legends. And you honoured and respected. And I was just really frustrated that in a, in a context of working with young people, I didn't feel there was any honour or respect. There is a lack of honour in the world. I'm going to define what honour is and, and look into it. But in general, there's a lack of honour. Young people do not honor older people the way they used to, I don't think. When I was in school, you would not have said boo to a sick former. <laughs> Whereas now, I don't think younger kids in the school have much respect or honor for sick formers in general. Young people frequently are not, are not just respectful or honorable towards their parents a lot of the time. When you're out and about, you see it, you witness it. People are not particularly respectful and honorable towards politicians. And we've seen that an awful lot lately in the last 
couple of years and certainly the last few months. People don't show honor for the police. They don't show honor for school teachers and doctors. They don't show honor for people who are in authority. They don't show honor for those who have a different opinion. One of the things I tried to instill in Samuel early in the football watching journey was how to honor people that you don't like. And I've put up the picture of two men on the screen who I don't like. And I remember saying to him, it was, it was you know, a couple of years ago and just starting to watch football on a regular basis. And so Sergio Aguero was, was doing his thing for Manchester City. And I remember saying to him one day that I, I find it hard to love him in Christ. <laughs> um, but I said, do you know why the reason is? It's because he's so good. And the same with Phil Foden. I, I find it hard to like Phil Foden. Because he's so good. And I, I hate it when I hear young people, when I hear kids, you know, you'll hear this sort of primary school talk and they'll say such and such a player is useless. Or he's, and they'll maybe use a derogatory term. You're like, no, he's not. You just don't like him. He's actually really, really good. And he's so good that he's stirring up your dislike. And trying to honor those who are in opposition, honor those who are different, honor those and, and acknowledge that every single player in every single team, for example, in the Premier League is good and fit and works hard and we need to stop sort of putting them down. That's a sort of a light example of honouring those. But what about honouring those who have a different understanding of gender that you or I don't agree with? Because that's becoming more and more of a challenge. Are you able to disagree and still honour an individual as being made in the image of God? I think the church has dropped the ball on that a wee bit over the past couple of decades. And we have, we have held to the truth of Scripture, but sometimes done it in a way that has destroyed people and labeled them and put them down and increased hostility instead of showing honor. You are made in the image of God. You have a different view on, on gender than I do, but it doesn't change the fact that you're made in the image of God and I honor you as a human being. Just because we disagree does not mean we have to be dishonorable. You will get dishonor happening in church contexts where church leaders, thankfully not here, I don't think, get ripped apart. Just get roasted, torn to bits as if they have no ability to feel pain. Uh, I remember having a conversation with a, with a local church leader uh, around about the time that I was you know, that we were praying and seeking God about choosing elders. And I asked this guy, I said, you know, give me some advice. And he said, choose people with a high pain threshold because <laughs> they're going to get hurt. Choose people who can, who can handle pain. Church leaders sometimes are not honored enough. So what we did yesterday, you know, Linda and I have sort of prepared this together and we chatted about it and we thought we'd, we'd say to the kids, you know, what, what questions arise when we talk about honor. So, so here's the first one. This is Rich. What even is honor? You know, not just what is honor, but what even is honor? You know, that sort of get the even in there to emphasize it. What is honor? So uh, let's go Greek. And the Greek word for honor is time. It looks like time, but it's pronounced time. And I'm going to go on a wee digression here because I love this. I only saw this yesterday. I've never seen it before. Time means to honor. We'll look at the word a bit more in a minute or two. Theos means God. Yeah? So 
Time Theos means to honor God, from which we get the name Timothy. Tim Webb, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I love that. The boy's very name means to honor God. And I want to honor you, brother. I love you, and we love you. And we know how big a challenge it is to get yourself here. And we honor that and respect that and we love it. Timothy, Timotheos, to honor God. But this word, this, this Greek word, time, to honor, means to value. Okay, if you want to hold one word as to what honor means, it means to value, to respect, to highly esteem, to treat something as precious. If I honor you, I treat you as precious. You're not just there. You are precious. We'll get to Psalm 8 probably over the next couple of weeks, but Psalm 8 talks about how God has crowned human beings with glory. That's not just a few special ones. That's all. And we honor people when we treat them as precious and valuable. Whereas the the opposite word in Greek is etimos. You put an A in front of something, you sort of, it's like, negating it or making it the opposite and and as opposed to honoring somebody time to show value and to to value that person etimos means to to dishonor means to treat them as common or ordinary c.s lewis said there are no ordinary people every single person is a masterpiece of god's creation and then another question came from from Sarah, and she said, what's the difference between honor and respect? The difference is that respect is earned. Whether or not I respect somebody depends on how they behave. Yes? So you may behave in a certain way, and I respect you for that, or you may behave in a different way, and I don't respect you because you behave in a particular way. So respect is something that is earned. I earn respect by how I behave. I would hold that, you know, in school with young people. I earn their respect by how I treat them, by how I do my job, by how I support them and help them. I earn their respect by how I act. Honor is given, whether it is deserved or not. So the responsibility for me to respect a person lies with how they behave. But the responsibility for me to honor a person is my choice regardless of how they behave. Do you understand the difference? Respect, you act in a way, I respect you. Honor, I choose to honor you regardless of how you act. That's the difference between respect and honor. So we've got this teammate, this value, this idea that people have value and we recognize that. C.S. Lewis again said, the sun is not diminished in its power or its brightness if you choose not to believe in it. It's still there and it's still powerful and bright and hot and big. God's glory is not diminished if we choose to to, to not believe in it. So glory is that sort of value, that implicit value that something has. Honor is my choice and your choice to recognize the value and to behave towards a person in a way that values them and recognizes them. The recognition of the value and the contribution and the importance of other people. And John Tyson has a great sort of way that he looks at this. He says, you basically are called by God to have honor as an operating system. 
that you should download and operate out of. So your phone has an operating system. Your iPad, your Mac, whatever it is you use, it has an operating system and everything else flows out of that. That's the sort of heart of the, of the machine and all the other apps and all the other stuff that's stuck on all sort of is governed by the operating system. And he says honor should be the operating system of the Christian. Honor. Honor in the church. Honor in how we treat people outside the church. Honor in family. That that is our default that everything else flows from. And I think it's a good point. I think honor is absent in our culture. One person, I can't remember who it was, said we are living in an age of perpetual offense where people will get offended at the slightest thing and then they will dishonor the person who has offended them. That has given rise to something that is known out there as cancel culture. Cancel is one of those words that has just taken on a new meaning in recent years. Cancel used to be something was planned and it's not planned anymore, we've canceled it. But now we talk about canceling people. And to cancel a person means to ostracize them, cut yourself off from them, push them away, put distance in between you and them and disregard everything they do and who they are because of something they've said. So it starts off on on social media where a famous person will say something that people disagree with and people then cancel that person, cut off contact, don't listen to them anymore. But now it has sort of seeped in to regular everyday relationships in life, in church, in culture, everywhere, where people will get offended at the smallest thing and bang, just cut them off. Nothing to do with you anymore. Could be a work colleague, could be a friend, could be somebody in the church. And, and this, this phenomenon that's happening in the news in the last while, the last six months or so in particular, where people are digging out something that somebody said 10 years ago on the internet and destroying them for it. Folks, that's demonic. That is not forgiveness and it's not grace and it's not the way Christians should operate when we just wreck somebody because of one thing they said in a careless moment 10 years ago that they regret and apologize for. That is evil. There's nothing godly about about cutting somebody off for that when they have publicly acknowledged that they regret it. Single little things are tearing people apart and they are getting offended and they are cancelling and then they are choosing to dishonor the other person. People get, they'll, they'll fall out because you don't reply to a text quick enough. And it's not, you know, I've, I've been on the receiving end of it. It's unreal. You open a text at 5.30 in the morning and you think, I'll get back to that later. And because you, you're doing more, you got up at 5.30 to do more important things than write messages, you know. But you see one and you think, I'll get back to it later. And then you forget and the person flips their lid because you haven't got back to it. If somebody wants to be offended, they will get plenty of opportunities to be offended. This is the culture we're living in where people will very, very quickly cut somebody off for something really, really minor. And there's an absence of honor as well, I believe, in, in the church sometimes. I can remember one time praying down here. So if, if I need to pray in a way that I can't really pray at home, <laughs> you know, loud and animated and walking around, um, I'll come down here and I'll pray down here. And there was one time uh, uh, that I was in that position a while back and I was, I was, I was 
actually shout, hadn't thought about this or, or what I was saying really at all, but I remember being annoyed about something and shouting out, where is the honor in that? Something had happened that I felt was dishonor. I can remember just in frustration, just this explosion of where is the honor in that, in that behavior? God calls us to live in a very, very different way to the culture around us that dishonors people at the drop of a hat. If everything I ever said was wheeled out into public, you know, people get, get absolutely slaughtered for a tweet. There's a lovely thing happened in Australia this week. I just caught it by chance on the news yesterday. Australian president, I don't know anything about Australian politics, so if I get this wrong, forgive me. Don't cancel me. <laughs> um, Australian president is a guy called Scott Morrison. He's a Pentecostal Christian, as far as I know. His, not president, prime minister. There you go, got it wrong already. <laughs> prime minister. His deputy prime minister, it was sort of a tweet that he had written a year ago, criticizing the prime minister, surfaced and was wheeled out uh, by somebody to try and create a bit of contention. Uh, and in this tweet, he had called the, the prime minister a hypocrite and a liar. And this was before he was the deputy prime minister, and he now is the deputy prime minister. And Scott Morrison's response was just, people change, relationships change, he's not getting sacked, it'll be okay. And I thought, that's good. <laughs> I don't know anything about your politics, Mr. Morrison, but that's good that you can allow somebody to make a mistake. I've been listening to a new album lately by, by Need to Breathe, and there's a song I was listening to her last night in the car and it says, I just need room to be wrong sometimes. <laughs> we all need a wee bit of room to be wrong, to make a mistake, to hold our hands up and to have a person show the grace and the character of Jesus by forgiving and saying, that's okay. Relationships change. Let's forget about that. Let's keep going with what we're doing. So why is honor important then? And why, why are we doing this? Why are we taking a few weeks to hang on this verse in Romans 12? Just to let you see that it's a big concept in your Bible. Honor is your destiny. You're going to spend eternity about the business of honor. Revelation chapter 5. Let me read this. This is the scene in the throne, the throne room of God, around the throne. Revelation 4 and 5. Powerful, powerful passage. John is writing. He says, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. You have this awesome scene, and John, I think, is really struggling to find words to describe it. And what are they doing? In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. He's going to be valued. You're going to spend all eternity valuing him, declaring his value. I heard every creature then, not just the angels around the throne. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. Okay, that's everything <laughs> covered, nothing left out. And what they're all saying is to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor. So you're going to spend all eternity honoring proclaiming and basking in the value and the glory of God. Your future is filled with honor. The Trinity operates on honor. This is John 5, 
where Jesus says, The Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son. So God gives all authority to Jesus, so that all may honor Jesus. The Trinity honors one another, gives honor to one another, exists and and, and operates in a way that honors each other. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. The Trinity has honor operating among it. Even nature honors God. Isaiah 43, 20, the wild animals honor me. (laughs) The wild animals honor me. The jackals and the owls because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Honor is all around us. Been a few sort of clear nights lately. And, and every time you go out in a clear night and you look up at the sky, and you just think about the heavens declaring the glory of God. Yeah. Creation, nature honors God. So who should we honor? What I'm going to do just for the rest of today, and there's not that long left, uh, is, is go through some people in the scriptures that we are told we should honor. And then Linda's going to pick up next week and look at what happens when we honor and what happens when we don't honor. And how do we actually honor? That's the sort of stuff we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks. So we're, we're called to honor God, obviously. So let's just get that out there first. Proverbs 3, 9 says, we're to honor the Lord with our wealth. And 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says... At the end of verse 20 there at the bottom of the screen in 1 Corinthians 6 where he's been talking to the Corinthians about immorality because they had a mindset that the culture back then had a mindset that what you did with your body did not affect your soul and your spirit. Your body was just like a, a wee old-fashioned car that got you around the place. You, you were not your body and, and you could do whatever you wanted with your body without any consequences. And Paul's like, no, you can't separate your body and use it for immorality and not have consequences in your soul. And he says at the end of chapter 6, at the end of verse 20, honor God with your body. So we're called to honor God. That's really obvious and important. It's not the thrust of where we're going in this little series, but it's important. You're called to honor your parents. (laughs) Honor your father and mother. This is Ephesians 6. Quoting from Exodus, the commandments, the fifth commandment. It's the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. How do you honor your father and your mother? Linda and I will talk about that at length and come up with a long list. And we'll, just, we'll share it with you and we'll make sure that it is prominently displayed in our home. How, you know, we, we need to honor, and this is not just something for, for young children, this is for adults as well. Doesn't matter what age you are, honoring parents. Some kids don't honor their parents because they've never been taught to. Their parents did not teach them honor. And we, I, I think what we have is, personally, I think my generation of parents haven't done a stellar job and haven't taught their kids how to honor them in the home. And then we're sending our our kids as they move into adulthood, sending them out into the 
into the adult world and into the workplace and they have not learned how to honor their parents and they're not going to be able to honor a boss and they'll probably spend 20 years just yapping about their boss who's so awful instead of honoring their boss. It is important that it's, you, know, you don't just say, you must honor me. You've got to teach. You've got to model. You've got to exemplify a life that then causes kids to be able to understand what honor means and how to do it. You're to honor your spouse. Woo! First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with honor and you think well that's really obvious well i can tell you what when it was written it was not obvious because wives then and of course some wives now as well were not treated with honor but in culture they just were not treated with honor back then they were not valued you are there to cook and to bear children and that's it that's that was their purpose that was their role And for Peter to write to men to treat their wives with honor was very countercultural. You know, if if you want a marriage that is blessed, if you want a marriage that is extraordinary, then treat your spouse as an extraordinary person. Some advice, okay? If you want an extraordinary marriage, Treat your spouse as extraordinary. Honor your spouse. Value your spouse. Cherish your spouse if you want to have an extraordinary marriage. If you want to have an ordinary marriage that is common, just a run-of-the-mill marriage, then treat your spouse as being ordinary and common and run-of-the-mill and you'll get what you deserve. Yeah, it's up to you to, to, to determine the, the quality of a marriage relationship. It's how you it's not whether or not the person deserves your honor. Give honor before it's deserved and see what happens. So we're to honor our spouses. Now here's one. This is gonna sting, all right? Just letting you know. Do you like to be challenged? Don't nod because you really don't. <laughs> Nor do I, because challenge is uncomfortable. This is gonna sting. So just brace yourselves, take a deep breath. Romans 13. So, so far we're to honor God, honor parents, honor our spouse. We're to honor those in authority. Government. At times that's harder than others. Romans 13, 7, Paul says, Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Romans 13, 1 and 2. Listen to that. I'm going to read it slowly because it stings. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Government. Consequently, Romans 13, 2. We've got to hear this, church. And the wider church has got to hear this. Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. 
I would say in the last two years, I have seen and heard more rebellious talk about government than I've ever heard before in my life. Just because you disagree does not give you reason to dishonor. Now, this is scripture, and we need to take it seriously, regardless of whether it's comfortable or not. To rebel against authority is to rebel against God. So, simple illustration. If the government, under medical advice and scientific advice, say, we'd like you to wear masks, that's okay. I'll wear a mask. If the government say, we'd like you to perform marriage ceremonies that are out of sync with God's teaching on marriage, then we say no, okay? Because that's a bigger deal. And then we say no and we face the consequences. But if they say, put a wee bit of fabric over your mouth for an hour while you're indoors in order to keep people safe, that's all right. We'll do that. There has been a shocking level of rebellion in the church. I'm ashamed of some of the things that I've heard and I've seen. Dishonoring. And do you know what? You're not called to like the person. It may be the person you didn't vote for. They may be behaving in a way that they do not sort of command any respect because of how they get on and how they behave. God says you honor. You honor government. Come on, swallow it. (laughs) You honor government or else you are rebelling against what God has put in place. And then you say, it's very easy to come back and, and, and this is the way I would sometimes think, but have you seen them? <laughs> have you seen the government? Have you seen how they behave? Have you read the news? And then you think, well, who was Paul talking about? He's talking about Nero. Okay, Nero set Christians on fire in his back garden to provide light for his guests when they came for a garden party. That's Nero. And Paul says, you honor. Honor authority. So it's, it's not, you don't get out of it by saying, I don't like that person. I don't really respect that person. That's not the issue. You honor them because God calls you to. Until they ask you to cross a line of scripture. Until they ask you to do something that dishonors God. And I've heard a bit of nonsense about how wearing a mask to cover your mouth in church dishonors God. Stop it. <laughs> it doesn't. To gossip with your mouth dishonors God. To slander people with your mouth dishonors God. To put them down and manipulate them with your mouth dishonors God. And the irony of hearing people who slander and gossip and dishonor God with their mouths then saying you dishonor God if you wear a mask. It's just like, stop it. Listen to yourself. You know, you can disagree without dishonoring. And Peter, you know, Peter just comes in and he backs the whole thing up. Again, we're talking about Nero, Caesar, Nero. He was a bad man. Nothing going on in any government, certainly in the Western world, even touches what this guy did. And and Peter just bangs out this verse in Greek. It's just sort of like two words, two words, two words, two words. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood or the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. That's scripture. That's Peter. (laughs) 
And we've got to swallow it and we've got to obey what Scripture teaches us to do. Whenever David was on the run from Saul, and we referred to this last week as well, and David had an opportunity to kill Saul, and Saul was murderous against David and had tried to kill David and had chucked spears at David and was pursuing him in the mountains like a dog. And David gets an opportunity, two opportunities, no less, to kill Saul. And he won't do it. Why not? Because Saul is the king. Saul is God's anointed king. He's not acting like it in any way, shape or form. But David will not reach out his hand against him because he honors the authority that God put in place. Regardless of the fact that Saul is a murderous man, that he is under the influence of demons, evil spirits, David still respects his authority. (laughs) Next one. Honor leadership in the church. I'm just reading it. It's in the book, okay? (laughs) I'm just reading it. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well, well, by the way, is what it says. Um, Sometimes church elders don't behave in an honorable way. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. I'll move on in case you think I'm trying to... Now, that can be abused, just so you know. If you do a quick search for sermons about honor, you will find the majority of those sermons come from what I would call prosperity doctrine. And, and it's basically honor your leader, honor me, you know, give me money, sow your seed. It's that sort of unpleasant side where, where, where people can manipulate the gospel in order to try to get rich. That's where you'll find a lot of sermons on this text about honoring leadership in the church. Honor them. The way I mentioned earlier, the way sometimes church leaders are talked about is shameful. And the way church leaders sometimes talk about each other is shameful and put each other down because they disagree about whether you baptize by full immersion or whether you baptize a child by sprinkling their forehead. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Don't fall out over it. I believe the scripture teaches baptism by full immersion, but I'm not going to fall out with my brother or sister in Christ because they sprinkle an infant. Come on. (laughs) You know, we've got to to start again. That's the cancel thing. Come in. We're just like, I'm having nothing to do with you. I'm not going to go to any events that you're a part of. I'm not going to join with your church and work together. That's madness. Honor one another. Leaders take so much criticism. Because it's so easy for people to just criticize, get up, go out the door, go somewhere different next week. And it is a hard gig. And Paul calls for for honor. He does it again in in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5. We ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you. Who make breakfast. And who clean up. And who put the lights on and put the chairs out. And who lead worship and who who come and labor in prayer, and who teach the children about Jesus. They're not just there to look after them. They're there to instruct them about Jesus. All of these people that work hard, honor them. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. And obviously we honor Jesus. (laughs) 
God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the honor, to the glory of God the Father. And as Linda mentioned earlier, some people honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. There's way too much lip service in the church. I even, you know, I am staggered sometimes at what people can listen to in, in, a, in a sort of Bible study context, preaching context, and then how they can behave. It's just unreal. People who honor God with their lips. They talk a good game, but their hearts are not there. I want people to be obsessed with Jesus. Absolutely obsessed with Jesus. So they've no time to run down random rabbit holes and fall out with each other. Because they're too busy just obsessed with honoring him. And when people are obsessed with Jesus, they will honor him and worship him from the heart. Not just the lips. They will live their whole life in a way that honors Jesus. Not just say the right thing now and again and sing a few songs. Because he is the Prince of Peace. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the risen one, the one who was dead and is alive again and holds the keys of death and Hades. And we honor him. So in summary, to honor is to value. To value. And we are called to honor God, to honor parents, to honor our spouse, to honor government, to honor church leaders, to honor King Jesus, and where we're going next week, to honor one another above yourselves. To create in the church a haven of honor that is absolutely countercultural where we value every single person, where we create a safe place. It's not lip service. And it's not just respect for a few people who who deserve respect. It is honoring every single person and valuing them. That is a place of safety. It is a place of power. It is a place that is completely different to the culture around us. And that's what we need to to cultivate. That's where we will lead on to next week. Guys, come on forward, please, and, and, and lead us as we honor Jesus in worship.